It's great to see you guys. Um, if you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, we've been doing this series um, which is called The Heart of the King. And I've been really enjoying this. I hope you guys have been enjoying this. It's, it's been a really cool um, concept of what does it look like for us to really seek the heart of God, to really seek to know Him, to seek to serve Him. What is, what is God's heart? Well, how do we pursue that? Um, this is actually based on a book written by the guy who founded Pays. So we sort of thought that we'd make the most of the Pays guys while we're here and steal some of their stuff. Um, so that's been really cool. And um, yeah, so we've done a couple of, couple of messages. So the first one was Kai spoke a couple of weeks ago about this principle of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. That, that if we want to live for the heart of the King, if we want to live for the heart of God, we have to put His kingdom first. That if it's not first, we sort of lose it. It sort of loses priority in our lives. Dave spoke last week and he shared about um, judging and, and kind of almost this idea of that we can get distracted kind of trying to control other people and, and fix other people and almost kind of judge them and want them to do the right thing. And what Jesus wants is not for us to do that, but to focus on ourselves and how we can seek God's kingdom in ourselves. And often when we change and when we grow, that actually impacts other people more so than, than when we try and judge and control them and manipulate them. That often makes things way worse. And tonight what we're really doing is how, how can we start to actually do this? What does this actually look like in our lives? We, as a staff team this week, we were talking about what are some of our values as rivers and one of them we said was that we, we're people who really want to know God. We're people who want to seek God. We're not people who just want to turn up to church and then go home and don't think about God, but to, to know Him, to be intimate with Him, and to love Him. But the difficult thing is that that's not always easy, right? That, it, that if you've tried to do this, if you've tried to say, I actually want to live for God, I want to serve Him, I want to know His heart, it's actually hard. And there's a reason for that. And it's because it's actually opposition, that if, that if we want to actually seek to serve God and know His heart and seek to bring His kingdom, there's actually things that are against that and don't want that to happen. And there's, in the Bible there's really three. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And the world is basically this idea of humanity doesn't want God. Humanity wants all the good things that God has without God. And, and we experience this every day, right? Like every ad that you see is, is, is a thing that's saying, you can have all this stuff right now, you don't need God. You can have holidays, you can have good relationships, you can have money, you can have everything you desire, you don't need God. And the world constantly pulls us into that, but the truth is that that leads to death. The truth is that God's kingdom is actually what is good. When we have God, things are right in the world, and without God, they're not. But the world doesn't want God. The flesh... Is, is basically like, even once we become Christians, we still have desires to do life without God. We still have desires, and often the flesh is really satisfying these desires in a way that doesn't honour God. Basically trying to live without Him, trying to make life work without Him. And often we, we do that, we feel pulled to that, especially if we're afraid. We want to make life work. We don't want to trust Him, which is the flesh. And on top of all that, there's actually a person who's set against the kingdom of God, who's set against us seeking him and knowing his heart, and that's the devil. And he tempts us, he wants to draw us into sin, and when we sin, he wants to accuse us and make us ineffective. He wants to pull us down at every stage that we come to. So in our effort to try and do this, to actually seek God's heart, to seek his kingdom, to serve him, there's actually opposition which makes life difficult. And, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. Like, how can we overcome this? And there's one idea that's helped me so much with this because there's something, right, that this opposition can't touch. 
that it, that it cannot change, that it cannot influence as well. And there's something that it can touch and it can change and you can influence. And we need to make a distinction between two things. And that's these two things, our legal position before God and our living condition with God. So as Christians, right, we believe in grace. We, we believe that we can't do anything to get right with God. We believe that, that it's not going to church, it's not reading the Bible, it's not trying to do the right thing. None of that can make us right before God. In, in ourselves, we are doomed, right? We can do nothing. But the good news is that Jesus has done everything. That Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. That he, that he gave himself in our place for our sins. That Jesus has achieved it all. And all he says for us to do is to receive it for free. He, he offers us grace and we just, if we believe in him, if we trust in him, we are legally, our legal position with God has changed. He takes us out of the kingdom of darkness. He puts us into the kingdom of light. He calls us his son, his daughter. We're adopted. When he looks at us, he sees us the same way Jesus sees us. He doesn't see our sins. We're completely forgiven in that moment. That is what Christianity is about. That is what grace is, which is so amazing, right? And our opposition cannot touch that. It cannot change that. That is a legal reality that cannot be touched at all, especially because it's not based on what we do right. Even if, even if we sin, even if we, if we stuff up, even if we fail, even if we forget about God for a while, it does not change our legal position. It's not based on us. It's based on Jesus. But our living condition, right, can be affected. And there's a distinction here. And this, this distinction, right, is that our living condition is actually our lived relationship with God, which is our intimacy with God, our, our ability to overcome sin, our ability to love God and love people, our, our effectiveness in bringing forward his kingdom. This can be affected, and this can be influenced by our opposition. And that's what it wants to do. It wants to render us powerless in our living condition because it can't touch our legal position. And... and what we want to do, right, is we want to grow and serve and actually know and experience God and experience victory and live in power. We don't want to be people who just, we're just saved and then we just live a defeated life until heaven. That's not what God has for us. And in this series, we've been talking about some distinctions in terms of living, line on, the cl- uh, living on the line and living on the cloud. And the line is kind of like bare minimum. This is kind of like a legal position, right? This is kind of, as, as we get in the door, as, as we're saved, it's amazing and it's awesome. But it's the start. It's not the end. It's not where we, we stay. We don't just say, okay, I'm all good. I'm going to heaven. I can just forget about God. Well, this, is, this is where we start. But the, the cloud, what we want to aim for, what we want to know is, is that what, what we're talking about is that we want to know his heart, that we want to live in intimacy with him, that we want all that God has for us in our lives because it's the best thing for us. And, and this, is, this is where this kind of battle is. I want to make this really clear to you guys. And I think a really easy way to understand it is marriage, right? So this is when Tam and I got married a couple of years ago over at South Pine, which was awesome. And when we got married, right, she stood up in front of all these people and in front of God himself and said that she's going to love me forever until I died. <laughs> no matter what I did, right? And I said the same thing. And we are in a legal relationship. Like, we've made promises to each other, but we're actually bound by law. Legally, we are married. And, and my behaviour in how I treat her and her behaviour in how she treats me doesn't change the fact as to whether we're legally married or not, right? Like, I could technically marry her and then go overseas and never see her again. And I'd still be legally married to her. 
It, it, it's not affected by our behavior. But to do that would be ridiculous because the whole reason, the whole point that you get married is to have this close, intimate relationship. But this is affected by how we live, right? If we don't spend time together, if we don't care for each other, if we don't love each other, it will actually end up in us being hurt, it will end up in other people being hurt, it will end up in the breakdown of this relationship, even though all the time we could still stay legally married. Do you guys see the difference? So like, the line in this sense is just legally saying the vows, having this relationship. But the cloud is what it's actually about, which is actually an intimate, loving, caring relationship. And that this is affected by what we do. This is affected by how we treat each other and, and the relationship that we have. And in, in, in serving and seeking to serve God, this is where the opposition is. Right? It's, it's not, it doesn't change our standing with him. Which means, that's what's so amazing, right? It means that when we do sin, when we do fail, it doesn't mean we have to fix ourselves and work hard to get God to love us again. It, it doesn't change the fact of how he sees us. That, that's unchanging. What it does affect is our lived, experienced relationship with him. It does, it does affect, just affect him, right? It actually hurts him. It actually hurts others. It actually damages the kingdom. It, 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 but it doesn't change our standing with him. So what we're trying to think of today, what I want to give you guys, is in this realm, in, in this, this place of growing in intimacy and relationship and, and in victory, is some strategy. Because we need, if, if there's an opposition, we need to be aware of it, and we need to be aware of how it affects us, and we need to be aware of how we can overcome it, and that we actually can. So this is what we're talking about today. Sorry, I have to keep turning around because our projector at the back's broken. So how can we actually have victory over evil? How can we be people that aren't just, just sinners, that we just sort of live our life just like everybody else, but we just have this hope that one day it'll be taken away? How can we actually start to live in victory and experience this intimacy and this relationship with God now? And I'm going to give you three things. We're going to look at the book of Romans, and there's three basic strategies or things that we can actually do to help us overcome evil. That is to know the truth, resist the darkness, and pursue God and others. So I'm going to read a bit from Romans 6 right from the start, but then we're going to look at particularly these, these verses 11 to, to 13, 14 around about. So this, is, this idea, right, that our legal position with God doesn't change is pretty amazing. And, and it's almost something that sometimes people don't want to say that. Because it's like if you say to people that you're saved God loves you, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't change your legal position, then people start to think, well, that means I can sin as much as I want. That means I can do whatever I want. Why would I even bother doing the right thing? Because this is secure, this is safe, this, is, this doesn't change, right? But the thing is, it's the same in, in the marriage. Like, if that's the mindset, it's, it's good in a sense that it shows that they understand just how sure and secure this is, but it's bad in a sense that the whole point is a relationship of love and intimacy. And this, this question, Paul answers this question in Romans. He kind of preempts it. This is what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? This idea, if, if, God, if our legal position doesn't change, should we just sin more? And he says, by no means. He says, that is a massive misunderstanding. It means you understand grace, but you've also completely missed the point. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? I'm going to read, just read some more of these verses. And as I read them, 
I want you to think about what Paul's saying about death. Because he's talking about a death. And in his argument, death is really important. So, so, so listen to what he's saying as we read these. Right? He says this. Don't you know that all of us who are baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Tam, do you think you could bring me my drink bottle? My mouth's getting really dry. <laughs> I don't really know why. I mean, I'm talking too fast. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, right, he's talking about the death of Jesus. And what he's actually saying is that we were united to Jesus. Like this idea of baptism is, is being immersed. And what he's saying is we were immersed in Jesus. And Jesus died. And in a sense, we died with him. That something in us died with him. And we, this is what we symbolise, right, when we get baptised. Like, like, when we read the Bible, we see when people become Christians, one of the first things they do is get baptised. And this acts out something that's happened, that this person's actually died and been given new life. But Paul keeps talking about this. If we've been united with him in a death like his... We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Or another way to understand it, it might be rendered powerless. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You know, someone, someone when, when they're dead, right, they're, not, they're not under the power of sin anymore. And what Paul is saying is that we actually died, and he uses this term, the old self, right? which, is, which is our self that, that is opposed to God, that, that could not do anything but sin. Right? That, that, that before Jesus came into our life, before God rescued us, we, we were enslaved to sin. We, we were slaves. But what he's saying is that you actually died, and when you died, that slave died. That old self was crucified when Jesus was crucified. And interesting, right, he's not saying that we should crucify it. He's saying it was crucified. And then he's saying in the same way that Jesus was risen from the dead, that we were risen from the dead and we were given new life. So what Paul's saying is something amazing has happened if you become a Christian. Something has died, and that's the old self, the self that's enslaved to sin, and something new has been given, and it's a new life that's not under the power of sin anymore. He says this, If we have died with Christ, we believe we'll also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus didn't die and come back to, to life and then go and live a life of sin. But he, he, he died and now he lives. And death has no mastery over him and he lives for God. He lives to God. And this is what Paul's point is. Is that this is what we must do. Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This, this first strategy is to know that this is actually the reality if we're Christians. That the, the truth is that we're actually dead to the power of sin. And we even sung it before, right? We said, whose son sets free is free indeed. And what Paul is saying is that we're actually free from the power of sin. And, and in some ways, we don't, we don't often talk like that. 
Right, we, we sometimes talk like, like we're just sinners and we just can't do anything but sin. But God's grace is so amazing and he keeps giving us grace. And, and it's true that his grace is so amazing and we do still sin. And he, and he has grace for us when we sin, but we don't have to sin. We're not, we're not enslaved to sin anymore. We're actually free from it. But we have to actually believe that for it to actually have effect in our life, which is why he says we have to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. I don't know if you guys know anything about elephants and how big elephants get, get trained and get, get kept in captivity. And I, I was just reading about this last night, and it's pretty amazing, right, that what they do is that this, this big elephant is actually held there by this tiny rope or tiny chain, and this elephant could very easily break free, but it doesn't because it doesn't think it can and what happens, right, is that trainers take baby elephants and they chain them just with a small chain to their leg. And as a baby, they're not powerful enough to break free. And they try and they try and they try and they can't do it. And eventually they start to believe, I'm trapped, I cannot break free. And even when it grows up and it, and it is so big and strong now that it actually can break free, Technically, right, is, is technically free. Like that, that rope is not holding it there at all. But because it believes that it's trapped, because it believes that it cannot do anything, because it's been conditioned to believe that, it, it, in the experience that it is actually trapped. Right? But it's not the rope, it's just the belief. And this is what Paul is saying to us here. He's saying that we have to know the truth, that we've actually been set free from the power of sin that we don't have to live a life enslaved to sin anymore, that we can actually live free. That, that who we are is not just sinners who are, who are captive, but who we are is, is illegally with God, sons and daughters of God, loved, full of grace, and that he's set us free from the power of sin. But this doesn't mean that sin doesn't want to have power over us. We're free from it, but it still wants to control us. It's still, the, the, the opposition we have wants us to believe that we're not free, wants to take power back. And if we let it, it will. So we must not only know the truth, but we actually have to resist the darkness. That in order, order to overcome, in order to, to seek first his kingdom, part of it is actually resisting the darkness. This is what Paul says next. He says, Therefore, so therefore, because you're dead to sin and alive to God, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so you obey its desires, evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument for wickedness. See, see what he's saying is sin still wants to reign. And, he, and he's saying that we still have desires, right, of the flesh, to do life without God. And, and sin in us still wants to dominate and still wants to control and still wants to power, have power over us. And he's saying that if we give ourselves to that, it will. It's saying that we don't have to, right? We're free, we don't have to, but if we, if we go back to it, it will overpower us again. In the same sense, he's saying this, this idea of instrument, right, is almost like weapon, and he's saying, like, if you've been set free from sin, if you're dead to sin and alive to God, don't, don't go and use your body as a weapon for wickedness. Don't, don't go and present yourself to something that's, that's evil when you've been set free from it. Don't go back to it, is what he's actually saying. But this actually involves resisting. So we resist the darkness by denying ourselves and avoiding sin and things that lead to sin. And, 
and I'm just going to keep reminding us all the time, like I'm not talking about our, our relationship, our legal relationship with God. So this is why this is not works. Right? This is not to please God. This is not to get right with God. But this is actually to live in victory and to, and to know him and to, ha- and to have freedom from sin. And that actually involves self-denial. It actually involves, involves feeling desires to do life without God, to, 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 to sin, to have instant pleasure, to have instant gratification, feeling them and saying no to them. Actually denying self. And Jesus spoke about this, right? He said to take our cross, to, to carry them, deny ourselves and follow him. This is also in Titus. It says... For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. This is interesting, right? Like he's actually saying that God has given us grace in order that we may say no to sin. He's given us power to be free from sin. Because sometimes we, we talk, and, and it's because we want to emphasize grace so much, and it's so good, and we have to emphasize grace so much, but sometimes we emphasize grace so much that, that we think grace is an excuse for sin, that, that because of grace we can just do whatever we want. But he's saying here that we're given grace to, to say no to sin, to deny self. And just, I, I just want to make a point here as well. I'm not talking about repressing desires. Because often that makes things worse, right? It's not saying, saying you have a desire for something that you know is not right or not good. The thing to do is not to say, oh, I'm so bad, I just shouldn't feel that, it's just so terrible. Like, the thing to do is, is to feel it and deny it. Say, I, I feel like doing this right now, but I know it's sin and I'm going to resist and say no. Because, but through God's power, and all this is empowered by the Spirit, right? All, all this is really with God's power, that we actually deny as well, he says to avoid sin. He says, don't present yourself to sin. Don't present your, your members as instruments to sin. And this actually is like how we live our lives, right? Then, and this could just be a, a whole aspect of our lives, our, our mind, our bodies, the places that we go, that, that the things that we think about. We're not, we're not to think things that are going to lead us back to sin, that are going to lead us to be empowered, to be overcome by sin circumstances, right? Like where, where we go, places we go. And again, you might be sitting there and you might be starting to think like, Tim, you're starting to feel, sound really legalistic. Uh, you're starting to sound, to sound like those kind of Christians that say you shouldn't go to these places and you shouldn't read those books and you shouldn't watch those movies. And, and I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying, right, is that each of us has things or places or, or, or things that we read or things that we look at. And if we go there, it's going to take us to sin. So don't go there. Right? It's, it's not like a blanket rule for everybody. Like, like you can't watch this movie, you can't watch R-rated movie. It's not, that's not what it is. But what it's saying is that actually we need to be strategic in the way that we live our life because you don't want to live in, in, under the power of sin. And that it actually involves avoiding these things, not, not placing ourselves in, in situations where we know we're going to be tempted and we're not going to have power to overcome it. It's actually, it's actually just wisdom in that. And I, and I think, again, like we, we, we so emphasize grace that we just don't want to sound legalistic at all. But, but in, in doing that, sometimes we miss just wisdom and, 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 and making sense that, that some people we hang out with are going to take us a bad way. And, and we still need to love them, but sometimes we, we should stop hanging out with them because they're actually going to affect things too drastically in our lives and we actually can't ha- handle it right now. I was talking to my father-in-law 
the other day and he's got this story about his dad and his dad was a smoker for a while and then he, he broke it. He broke his addiction to cigarettes and he'd been free from it for a while, maybe, maybe like a year or something like that. And this was, this was back in World War II and I think it was in Queensland and um, there were some American soldiers who were here to support the war. Um, they sort of had a base and they were doing things and they were here supporting. And he, one day he was on a train um, and he was with his... So this is my father-in-law's dad, was with his daughter and there, there were some American soldiers there. And he was just chatting to them and they were just being really nice and really friendly and they were just like giving lollies to his daughter and just, just being really kind. And he must have just been a really nice, kind, genuine guy as well and he was chatting to them, asking them, how are you finding Queensland? How are you finding Australia? And they were saying, oh, it's so great, it's so good. Oh, but this, the taxi drivers just haven't been very good and, and there's been some problems with that. And then he's been just listening to them and talking to them and... Um, then he, he was just feeling so appreciative to how nice they were being to him and just the fact that they were here in Australia, they were helping us in, in the war and, and all these sort of things. And then what happened was one of these American soldiers um, took out some cigarettes. And as, um, as my father-in-law was telling me the story the other day, he said back then like, people would take out a pack of cigarettes and they'd just sort of offer it to everyone, just kind of like chewing gum or like mints or something like that, and you'd just pa pass it around. And so the soldier offered him a cigarette. And, and remember, he'd been free from this for, for like a year or so. And the, the soldiers had been so nice and, and they'd been so nice to his daughter and they'd had this bad experience with the taxi drivers and they're here fighting the war and he just didn't want to be rude. And he didn't, he, he didn't want to sort of make life difficult for them, so he took it and he smoked it and he was addicted again. And he, and he was just trying to do something nice, he was just trying to do the right thing. But the power of that addiction just overcame him again. And this is kind of what Paul's talking about. He's saying that we've been set free from sin. He had freedom from those cigarettes and we, we've been set free from sin. We have to believe that and know that. But it's still powerful. And going back to it, it can overcome us and take over again. And our lived relationship with God can be dominated by sin. So, so don't go there. Don't, don't give yourself to it, is what Paul's saying. So we've seen so far, know the truth, right? They've been set free from the power of sin. Resist the darkness, which actually involves denying self and avoiding sin, actually being strategic in that. But then he says this, pursue God and people. This is what he says. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So what he's saying here, right, is that it's not just about avoiding sin. And often the best way to avoid it is actually to pursue something else. And he's saying because we've been brought from death to life, now offer yourself to God and offer yourself to other people. Because of this freedom, because of this grace that God has given us, don't use it as an excuse to do whatever you want. But as a, as a response, give yourself to God and love Him and offer yourself to righteousness. The, the line in this sense is kind of like just avoiding sin. And, and again, that, he's saying that's not the goal. The goal is not just to not do bad stuff, but actually to pursue what God has for us, to actually to pursue Righteousness, And this is what Jesus says, that the, the, the greatest commandment, the greatest thing that we can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbour 
as yourself. And again, this is not law. This is not have to do this so that God loves me. He loves us and then he forgives us and he frees us and then he calls us to do this with his power and with his spirit. And what, what, he, what he's saying here is that sometimes the best way to resist is actually to pursue something else, to actually pursue righteousness, to give ourselves to loving God, to loving people. There's probably a lot of athletes at the moment who are training for the Commonwealth Games the next year down the Gold Coast. My dad's actually working on some of the busways and stuff like that, organising transport for that at the moment. And, and there's probably a lot of people who are doing a lot of self-denial Right, in order, in preparation for this. And the thing is, uh, these people, right, they're not just people who don't want to do the things they're denying, don't want to eat Maccas, don't want to sleep in. These athletes want to do those things often. And often, uh, I heard this once, there was an Olympian that came to our school once and, and talked about how after the Olympic Games, they just binge, right? Like they've, they've had this, this self-denial for so long and now it's over and now we can just do whatever we want. But during the lead-up to those games, they have a vision, they have a goal, and because this goal is so great, they're able to deny self. They're able to resist the, 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 in, the immediate comforts and the immediate pleasures because of what they're looking forward to. And this is what Paul's saying, that, that we're not just to avoid and deny, because we can't live like that, right? We can't live just saying, no, 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 no. We, we, that's not how we operate. But we do need to say no, but then say, well, what can we have? Well, we can give ourselves to God to love him, to love other people, to actually live the life that he has for us. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Pursue God and people. Love God with everything and others as ourselves. And often we... we, we see, the, the goal in Christianity is not just to sort of become a, a nice Christian who doesn't do bad stuff, but it's actually become like Jesus. So we all are continually growing, having that as our vision, that, that, that's, that we need to keep getting better and seeking that by his power and by his help. And this is really what, what I'm talking about today. It, and this, the principle in, in this book is called Rubbish In, Rubbish Out. And really the principle is how we live actually matters. And, and often we don't say that in church because we're over here and we're emphasizing grace and that's really good. And over here, how we live doesn't matter. It doesn't change our legal position. But in terms of seeking God and knowing God and living in victory, actually how we live matters. And we actually have to be strategic. And we actually have to put in effort. We actually have to cooperate and work with God to do these three things. So these are kind of like our strategies to do this. This, this message I'm telling you, a lot of it I've stolen from a, an awesome preacher that we saw in America a few years ago. We went over to IHOP and, and he says in, in this... In this um, these three points, right, that we need to do all of them. Some, sometimes we can just sort of emphasize one of them. Like we can just say we just want to love God and we love people, but we don't, we don't believe the truth that we're free from sin and we don't resist. And sometimes we can just believe the truth but not resist and not love God and people. Or sometimes we can believe the truth and resist but, but not love. Well, maybe I said that one already. Some, you get the idea, right? Like, so we need to do all of these. That the strategy is, is to know the truth know that we've been set free from the power of sin. Therefore, we can say no to it. We can say, no, I'm not under your power anymore, and resist. And we can say, I'm going to give myself to God to love him and to serve him and to other people to love them and to serve them as well. So there might be one of those, right, that, that really hits home with you tonight. But, but all of these are things that we need. This might be really new to you as well. And you might be looking at this and you might be saying, I came to church for grace, right? That looks like a lot of work. 
Like that, that looks like effort. That looks like it's hard. Like self-denial, like resisting. And that's true, right? But what we believe is it's actually worth it. And the reason why it's worth it is because this is how Jesus lived. And this is, this is the path that Jesus has gone ahead of us on. And this is actually the way that we're to follow him. I'm going to read something from Romans chapter 12. It's an awesome verse that talks about Jesus doing these things. It says, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And that's true, right, for most of us. In, in our struggle, we don't shed our blood. But for Jesus, he did. He shed his blood for us. He was crucified for us. And it wasn't just to make us right with him. It was actually to free us from the power of sin. It was actually for us to live a life of victory and, and walking with him in his power. And actually for us to live a life dedicated to God, not to self, not to sin, not to being defeated. So as, as we just finish, I want you to think, what, what, is, what is sort of coming out from this for you? What might be God highlighting for you? And I just want to finish as well and say, this place, right, is a place of grace. And, and we're going to fall short, and we're going, to, we're going to fail. And the thing to do is to just get back up and go on it again. And what, what all I'm really saying tonight is the thing not to do is to give up and say, oh, well, I'm just a sinner. I just, I'm just going to sin. The thing to do is say, no, we're forgiven. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's help. Let's get back on the journey and let's start doing this again so that we can actually get to a place of victory and, and growth and freedom in this. So maybe if you guys in the band want to come back up, I might pray to finish. And if this has brought up stuff for you tonight or if this is something that, that God is really speaking to you about, maybe just take this last song to, to really seek him. We're happy to pray for you if you'd like prayer. It doesn't have to be for this, right? It can be for anything. And like maybe even this is a time, right, to repent of abusing grace. Because sometimes we've done that, right? Sometimes we say, it's okay, God will forgive me. I can, just, I can do this. And, and that's not why his grace has been given to us. And, and it's not how we're to live. And we're not to be content with that. And may, maybe this is a time to come back and, and repent and turn back to God and say, we actually want to live for your heart. Jesus, we actually want to serve you and love you. So I'm going to pray and then, then we'll sing to finish. Father, thank you so much for this amazing gospel of grace. And thank you, God, that it is a gospel of grace that you see us as your sons and your daughters and we're forgiven and we're loved and we're restored. But it's also a gospel of grace that we have freedom and power and righteousness and ability to live in victory. God, and we just pray that that, that would be real for us that we will be a community of grace and love and acceptance, God, but not a community of defeat, but of victory and power over the opposition, God, because the opposition is nothing compared to you and to your power. Jesus, you have defeated the enemy, and we get to walk in victory, God. So I just ask that you'd speak to us now. Would you draw us in? Would you empower us by your Spirit? Because we cannot do any of this without you, Holy Spirit. 
We do this in your strength, in dependence upon you, God. So I just ask that you'd, you'd speak now, draw us now, give us the strength to, to seek you in this time. Lord, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.